0: All right. Well, if for no other reason than for my own sake, let's just, I know we've prayed like four times already, um, but you can't pray too much. And so I want to invite the Lord to guide us through this. Um, Before I do that, let me just quickly, we're pausing our series going through the life of Daniel. Um, We've been talking about what it means to live a devoted life. And so we will pick that up again next Sunday. Um, But we're going to talk this morning uh, um, for like 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes um, about what it means to live in community. So let's, let's, Pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and guide us through this. So Lord, one more time we come before you. God, we wanna do nothing apart from your presence. Lord, would you speak to our hearts about what it means to be in your family? God, guide us this morning. Anything that you wanna teach us that we didn't know or you wanna remind us that maybe we've let drift to the side, Lord, would you do that? Lord, if there's any action you wanna call us into as your people, um, we wanna have hearts eager to say yes. Um, not out of obligation. Thank you, God. You're not a God of legalism or obligation. You're a God of love. And it's, it's a loving response to say yes and to follow you and to obey you. And so um, we want you to hear our loving yes today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So this might seem like it doesn't fit living in community, but it's absolutely important. And that is the issue of water baptism. And so two weeks from today, we're going to have an outdoor service at the Cove Park. We'll gather for worship at 10 like we normally do. We'll worship together. We're going to have a meal together. We're taking over the pavilion there and the grills, and we'll just have a big potluck. Um, the church is providing the meat and the drinks, and I want to encourage you guys to, to bring sides and desserts and stuff And then we're gonna baptize people in the Tennessee River. And so I just wanted to pause in in light of that and just briefly make sure we have a working understanding of what water baptism is, why we do it, when we do it. Um, And it absolutely is connected to being in, in the community of God. So water baptism, it is about identifying yourself in Christ's family. So before we talk about what water baptism is, let's talk about what it isn't, all right? It is not the act of water baptism that saves you, okay? It is not water baptism that saves you. Paul makes this clear. This is just one example. There's many scriptures we could look at. Paul makes it clear in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that this is what salvation is. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I just want to note right there, it's very easy for people to separate Jesus as Savior from Jesus as Lord. That is not biblical. It's not biblical. The heart choice to invite Him in to be my Savior, the public declaration that I've given my life to Him, is meant to be linked with giving Him Lordship in my life. And so part of that confession right there is Jesus is Lord. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so salvation is about a moment of acceptance and a lifetime of following Jesus. Y'all tracking with me? All right, that's salvation. Um, Now this new life in Jesus, like it can be muddy waters when you go, now wait a minute, I, I said this prayer, that secures me so, you know, you're saying him being Lord is a part of it too so then if I... If I'm stop letting him be my Lord for a few days, have I lost my salvation? Listen, the issue of Jesus' lordship is not about earning salvation. It's about enjoying the life he has intended for us. The gift of salvation is the gift of, the, of eternity with him, eternal life and the gift of abundant life right here, right now with him. Okay, is this making sense? So I hope that's some clarification for you. So what is water baptism? What is it? Check this out. Romans chapter six, verse four. We were buried, therefore, with him, meaning Jesus, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Guys, here's what water baptism is. It's an outward sign of an inward change. It's an outward symbol. It represents two things at once. It's a reminder of what Jesus has done. Being dunked under the water represents Jesus' death and burial. Coming up out of the water represents resurrection life. And oh, by the way, when Jesus was water baptized, what else took place? Death, burial, resurrection, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. That is also the symbol of our life in Christ. And so when we symbolically get water baptized, we're aligning ourselves with him. We're saying, I'm dead to that old way of living where I'm the king. I'm a bad king, and it's time for me to give up the throne. And so I'm dead to that old way of living, and now I'm raised to new life in Jesus. Does this make sense, guys? So it is a symbolic thing that we do. Um, and so now, why do we get baptized, right? Like that's what it looks like, that's what it means. It doesn't save us, but it's the symbol, so why do we do it? Two basic reasons why we get water baptized. Number one, it's an act of obedience. Jesus did it, his followers did it, all through the book of Acts, we see members of the church getting water baptized. And ultimately, when, when he told his disciples what they were called to do Right there in the midst of what we refer to as the Great Commission, he makes it clear, go baptize everybody. Check this out, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so it's an act of obedience to Jesus to say, I'm gonna get water baptized. I believe in him, I've given my heart to him, and i'm going to not only follow his example i'm going to obey what he's called me to the other thing we see pictured here is we're to be baptized into the name of the father son and holy spirit so baptism isn't just about obedience it's it's about our identity our identity i am, i belong to him i'm in his family and so it is a public declaration of that identity. I love this picture Paul paints in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So this is beginning in verse 12. For just as the body, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Do you see the picture here? We, we aren't just identifying ourselves with Christ. We are identifying ourselves with the body of Christ. I think sometimes that aspect gets lost. Water baptism is saying, I'm a part of his family. And, and so then we're called to move forward living out of that. Guys, we're meant to be connected with each other. There, there are all kinds of things that the church gets right, the church gets wrong, there's different structures and it looks different and smells different in different places, but what I, can, what I can tell you is this, whether you're at a house church or a mega church or anything in between, we are a part of the body of Christ and we are meant to be rooted in that family, in that community, all right? Now, just briefly to make this clear, when do we do water baptism? All right, we believe that water baptism is is a conscious choice that's made by the individual who's getting baptized. I'm not here to bash infant baptism. In fact, when I was born, my mom was a faithful practicing Catholic girl. And so I have been christened, um, but I've also been dunked. Um, Here's the deal. We believe water baptism is a conscious choice that you are making to say, I understand who Jesus is, what he's done for me, I've chosen him. I don't think there's some official age. I think every child reaches an age where they have understanding. And so, you know, here at our church, we lean heavily on your judgment call as parents on where your kids are at and if and when they're ready. We're happy to talk with you about it and maybe give you a little guidance on how to ask them questions and discuss it, but we'll trust you with that. Um, what we do though, if, if you have small children, you're like, man, I, I want that powerful symbolic act of like, I'm committing my kids to Jesus. Well, that's biblical. People brought their children to Jesus and he prayed and he blessed them. And so we do baby dedications. So if that's something you would like to do, man, we'll get our elders together. We'll pray a blessing over your children and over your your parenting as you parent those children. Um, But we practice water baptism at the age of accountability. Does all this make sense? Y'all tracking, are we good? Okay, that's all I'm gonna say for this morning. If you have more questions, great. If you wanna have a debate, I don't really care about debates, but I guess I'm happy to talk with you if you really want, but this is where we stand on this stuff, okay? All right, let me talk for a couple of minutes about the importance of living in community. Um, Life together is what God intended for us. I hope that most of these verses I've read and the ones I'm going to continue to read are familiar to you. We need to be anchored in this stuff, okay? Matthew chapter 22. This is one of several places where Jesus is approached and he's asked to just kind of sum up everything that the word of God is about, all the law, all the prophets. And so this guy shows up and says, teacher, talking to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and, fir- this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend or, or hang upon. It's the linchpin of all the law and the prophets. Jesus said, if I could summarize all of what it means to have our lives anchored in God, all that he's looking for from us, it's rooted in loving him and loving each other. He intended for us to be in community with one another. So let me just pause and ask you a question. Is it easy to love other people? It, I mean, maybe it's just me. It's not for me. It's challenging. But are we called to love other people? Yeah. Some of the, some of the most meaningful, loving relationships I've had, those same relationships have produced some of the most challenging moments in my life. <laughs> There's somebody else that's experienced that. I guess two of us. Well, that's my dad, so, of course, you know. <laughs> Maybe something's wrong with us. I don't know. (laughs) Listen, I think it's a mistake when churches talk about community and try to paint an overly rosy picture. I will not promise you that life groups will just be the most amazing thing you've ever experienced in your life and there will never be any problems. You'll agree 100% with everybody always and nobody will ever hurt you or let you down. That's not reality. What we're called to do is link arms and say, we're in this together. And in fact, it's in community where all these concepts that sound wonderful actually get real. Like where I actually need humility, where I actually have to practice forgiveness, where I have to learn to walk in patience where I've gotta to learn to both speak up boldly at times and speak truth in love, and we also need to learn to, to quiet and to listen and to receive. I could go on and on and on of all the things that flow out of community, but we're called to walk out the love of God together. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, he gives us some direction here. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Man, that is a key part of living in community. Friends, if you've told yourself that you will never doubt or have questions or struggle in your walk with Jesus, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. And I think part of what the church has gotten wrong so often is we haven't created an environment where we can actually wrestle through hard things. We can wrestle through hard times. We can work through doubts. Jesus was surrounded by sinners, by skeptics, and by the faithful. He was surrounded by all of them. And so we shouldn't be pushed out by the church or trust our own instinct to pull back from the church when we're doubting. Man, that's when we need to lean in. And so we can lean in and help each other learn to hold fast by watching our faith deepen as we hang in there together and work through our doubts and our struggles. And so community is about holding fast to that confession of hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Some of the biggest crisis moments I've had in my own life and I've watched in the lives of my friends, some of them who have walked away from their faith have come as a result of hurting hurting, and wounding that they have experienced at the hands of others. It's heartbreaking. It's devastating. I don't wanna pretend like that's not gonna have an impact on us when we experience hard things like that. But Paul reminds us of, some, sorry, I think Paul wrote Hebrews, maybe he didn't the writer of Hebrews reminds us here of something important. I'm holding fast to my confession of hope without wavering, not because I'm faithful, not because all of the Christians in my life have always been faithful, because he's faithful. He's sure. And so we hold fast. Verse 24. Let us then consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Bob Marley would say, just stir it up. Okay, that wasn't very good. (laughs) Stir it up, man. Stir up love and good works. Spur each other on, encourage each other. Like we, like, we're like salt seasoning each other. Like sometimes somebody needs to look at me and go, Jake, like, dude, wake up. Come on. Like we call good things out of each other, stir up love and good works. That word syrup, it means means direction. It means moving towards. It means coming upon. It's it's a very action-oriented word. It just means, man, let's spur each other into love and good works. And see, love and good works, it shows you the link between um, how we feel and how we act. If we minimize love down to an emotion, we're missing the boat. Sacrificial love, love in action. And so we spur each other on in that. Verse 25, this is so important. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. I heard a a great quote actually just within the last couple of weeks from Tony Evans. Y'all familiar with Tony Evans or Priscilla Shirer? I can never feel like I pronounce her last name right, his daughter. Um, Tony Evans said this, I love this quote. He was talking about the importance of living in community and being connected with the church family. And he said, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they are absolutely right. Salvation is through faith in Christ alone. However, you don't have to go home to be married, but you stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. I love that. I love that. We're in a family, and we're made to be connected with each other. Listen, I should love the body of Christ enough that when things aren't going well, I don't just divorce myself from it, I lean in and say, I wanna be a part of working through this, resolving this, making the body stronger, healthier. See, real love doesn't sit under the umbrella of something and never point out anything that's wrong and just sit by and let something run off the rails, but it also doesn't abandon ship. Real love says, I love this enough to be committed to it and I love it enough to stand up and be strong when things are hard and speak the truth in love. For far too long, we've like picked one of those. I'm happy to be the truth speaker and punch somebody in the face with some truth and if they don't like it, then I'll bail. Or like just kind of do this like, I'm gonna love the church but like not stand for truth. I'm gonna love the church, but like not address things that maybe need to be addressed. And they go hand in hand, truth and love, all right? So let's not neglect connecting with one another, but instead encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends, I don't know if we're like five minutes, five years, five decades, or 500 years from the return of Christ but I know we're a whole lot closer today than when this was written. And I know that many of us have the sense that like, things feel like they're getting worse around here. And I know the scripture warns us that many's, the heart of many will grow cold, love will grow cold and people will drift. Guys, the enemy would love to give us off ramps, left and right. let's hold fast to our confession of hope. And all the more, when it gets difficult, when it gets hard, let's lean into the family of God. When the family of God needs to be called to repentance and revival, let's do it. When the family of God needs to be a lone small light flickering in the darkness to a broken world, let's be that. See, Jesus gets lifted up when the church is walking in unity. That's what lets the world know about the love of God. That's what's attractive. When the church is compromising and tearing itself apart and slamming the culture around it, that doesn't draw people to Jesus. We live devoted lives, faithful to him, Walking in unity with one another, which, by the way, is something you have to work for. It's a gift from God, and it's something that has to be maintained. It's just like when I got married. I was married the day I got married. In Jesus, we were one flesh. And now I've lived the last almost 20 years of my life slowly but surely becoming one flesh. It's a decision that was made, but it's a life that's walked out. Is this making sense? All right, we're called to community. This is who we are. Guys, one of the things that's been so hard about this last year is like, we're this tiny little church and our ambition is not to get hundreds and hundreds of people in a room. I mean, we're not opposed to growth. We wanna reach our community for Jesus. So I'm not like against that. Like our goal isn't get a crowd. Our goal is to be the church. The church is not a building. And by the way, it's not a one and a half hour gathering on Sunday mornings. The church is the people of God. And our heartbeat is to be in real community with each other. And y'all know, man, it's been hard. It's been a hard year, you know, trying to have, maintain community through Zoom and differing opinions on how this should all be playing out. And it's like, but man, we're here, we're walking, we're connected with each other. And, and friends, if, if there has been any sense of like disconnect, I just I strongly encourage you, like, don't delay anymore. Like the time is now to engage and be who we're called to be and live in community with each other. All right, I know I know many aren't here this morning. maybe you're listening to this later on the podcast. Maybe you're watching. I'm grateful for technology. I'm glad you can, can watch. I'm glad you can listen. I listen to pastors I respect. I listen to their sermons during the week. There's value in that. Church isn't about receiving teaching. Church isn't about hearing good music and maybe singing along or getting real charismatic and raising a hand. It's more than that. We're the body of Christ. We need each other. We need to engage with one another. Let's not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. Let's encourage one another, amen? All right. Okay, I'm pretty much done. Here's what I wanna do now. We're purposely ending about 15-ish minutes early. Let me give you kind of a brief, just a, a little teeny glimpse of kind of what life groups mean to us as a church, okay? Let me give you a sense of this then I'm gonna introduce you to our life group leaders and then we'll dismiss early. And my hope is that we can mingle, we can talk, kind of connect with one another. Um, if you want to know about a group, you can kind of go talk and ask some questions. And so we'll get to that in a sec. So here's, here's the deal. Our, our life groups are about having a small group environment. And, and I, believe, I believe it is very easy for groups of people who get together to fall into one of, there's probably 10 categories, but I'm gonna oversimplify it, one of two categories. We can either have a group that's like this Bible study group where we show up and there's a teacher and there's a lesson and there's notes and we're going for it and we're digging in. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that, okay? So there's groups that can lean that direction. Then there's groups that can lean towards, um, like I almost call it like life group counseling. You know, it's kind of like a mix of social slash here's all the stuff I'm going through and it's kind of like group therapy, all right? Our life groups are not intended to be either of those things. Our life groups are intended to be people gathering around the word of God with Holy Spirit influence and wrestling through how do we apply this in real ways in our lives. Here's what the Lord is saying. Here's the text. But what does this actually look like? How do I take this and follow Jesus with this? How do I make disciples as like a parent? How do I influence for kingdom purposes in my neighborhood, at my job, all right? And so it's really about walking with Jesus together with the intention of following him, okay? That's the heartbeat of our life groups. So we want them to be an intentional place where you can come and we can can hear from one another, we can encourage one another. Um, they They are guided conversations. Our life group leaders guide conversations around how do we apply the words of Jesus, into real life action, all right? We're gonna value people in our life groups. It's gonna be a safe place. Man, if real stuff's being shared there, if you, if you weren't there, you didn't need to hear about it. Like, we're gonna hold that stuff safely. The only thing we're gonna do with things that are shared, like real hard life stuff that's happening, the only thing we're gonna do with that is pray for each other and check in on each other. How's it going, you hanging in there, you all right? That's the environment. Um, So there we go. I could talk more about that, but I'm good.